It starts really when we're kids. Uh, as kids, we want to experience approval, to experience belonging, to experience being liked, to, to be told, really it starts with our parents, to be told, good job, to, we, we, if you talk to kids uh, very much, whether you have them or have nieces or nephews or see them, that oftentimes they say something like, look, look at this, look at what I drew, or look what I can do, or something like that, even when they go to the bathroom and are first learning, look, I did it, I know how to do it now. Well, if you're an adult, that's not very um, appropriate. I usually don't walk out of the bathroom and say, I did it. So maybe sometimes if it's been kind of a hard go, but, um, but <laughs> that's kind of true. Uh, but um, the don't eat gluten. So, um, but we, we want to be, we want to be approved, right? We want to be seen and told good job. And we have this desire. And like I said, it starts when we're kids, but as we get older, it's with our friends. We want to be accepted. We want to be brought in. We want to be thought well of. And when we get to our careers, our jobs, we want to be respected. We want to be recognized for the work that we do. We want to be told well done and possibly, probably, hopefully get promoted. And we, we want all of that stuff. We want to be seen and known and recognized and respected and to belong and to be a part of, of a community that says, we like you, we want you, and you are valued. That is something that we desire. I, I'll just kind of give you these three words. We want to be known Right? We want people to actually see us and know us and then to be approved. You have, it takes kind of the first part and then to lead to the second part that as people see us and know us, they say, and there's a lot that can kind of go under these words that we'll look at in a second, but to be approved to say, yes, we like you, good job. And then to, in through that, to belong to, okay, we know you, we approve of you, and now you're in, you're, you're a part of this. You experience kind of the community and the acceptance that comes along with those first two things. I, I kind of put this together, and this isn't comprehensive, it's not every single part, but I think under each of these words, you can kind of see some of this, and we're going to explore this today, and I just kind of want to lay a foundation that to be known, here's some of the words that kind of go along with that, and they might kind of connect with you more or less, kind of one of them more than the other, but to be understood, to be seen, to be heard, to, be to have vulnerability, to be honest, to actually just be real with people. We talk about kind of letting your hair down or someone I can be real with, people that really get me and know me, to be able to be open, to be able to be authentic. That's all kind of under that. I want to be known for who I actually am, not have to hide anything, not, but just to be able to be, this is me. And someone sees me and says, okay, I see who you are. And then we want to be approved. And there's different kind of language that goes around it. It can be love. We want someone to love us or like us or, or affirm us. Well done, good job, appreciate us. They see the things that we do, whether it's in your job or by your kids or by your friends to say, man, I really appreciate you. You're a good friend. You're a good mom. You're a good dad. Recognition, respect, honor. Some of those maybe more have... Um, a career tone to them, or just that we want to see our, uh, that our abilities and our characteristics are well-received, that people believe, hey, you're an expert in what you do, or you really do a good job at these things. Even legacy is we, how we want to be remembered by the things that we've done and how good we've done at them. All those kind of fall under that approved, and I could have put, you know, maybe one of these other words as the top category, but just we want people to say, 
yes, you've got value in whatever way. And then to belong, to belong is because of those things we're brought in and the experience that we, that we have as we're brought in. We don't just want to belong and you just kind of enter into something and everyone's mean. You want to belong and that experience of belonging that because of these things, now I've got a quality of belonging to be invited, to experience a closeness, a commitment, to have access. You might think about it more like that. To just Man, I'm, I'm on the inside. I'm on the in-group. I belong to this community that there's even loyalty that's here. There's an experience of, okay, I'm, I'm in and people are for me and I'm for them. Attention, affection, all of that kind of falls under that belonging piece, okay? This is what we're talking about. We, we want all three of these things. We want to be known, to be approved, and ultimately because of those things, really what we're kind of looking at is we want to belong. We want to have the experience of this closeness, loyalty, community, access, people that are committed to us. We desire this. And we have it, we desire it in various relationships, sometimes in different ways, right? You probably don't think about you're in your work that you really want affection, maybe, but you probably think about I want uh, access, I want commitment. You probably think about recognition and respect and honor within your job. And then with maybe your, your spouse, you probably think more about vulnerability and, and love and, and closeness or intimacy. Probably with your spouse, you don't think so much about legacy and honor and, and um, you know, access. You think a little bit more kind of a, a, around the terms that are a little bit more on the attribute side versus the experiential emotional side of things. So different relationships, we want these same kind of things, but in a little bit different ways, right? Now, we want that. We desire that. It's a powerful urge that we have. We sing about it in songs. We have shows about it. I mean, many of the you know, most famous shows are all about community and friends and, and those kind, all those kind of sitcoms, whether it's way back you know, to Cheers or you know, I don't even know what the current ones are, but Friends in the Office. It's all about kind of that community and belonging that we have. We want that. We desire it. And yet, you know, even as we, even as we put this up there, that's not easy. We know that even as we put this up here, you've experienced pain probably in each of these categories. That we've experienced not quite getting what we want in each of those things. That we've experienced the frustration that comes along with wanting to be seen and yet not being seen. Wanting to be affirmed or recognized even in your job and what you do and being overlooked. Wanting access and community and loyalty and and it not coming through the way we wanted. We've experienced the desire for these things, and yet oftentimes the frustration that comes along with that. We want it, but it's hard to get. Oftentimes, we're actually lonely. Oftentimes, we actually are frustrated by not having those things. Those might be some of the complaints that you have with the people close to you, or in your work, or with your parents, or whatever it is. It's not a seamless thing. It's complicated. This is a powerful longing and desire, and yet it's really complicated. It doesn't just go from, yes, I want that, now I have that, like all the things that we've been looking at. So the question is, how can we experience this? How can we experience being known and approved and belonging, ultimately, how can we experience that? What is it, where does this desire come from? Why does it continually disappoint and frustrate, and how can we 
begin to experience it so that that longing and craving we have, we actually are able to live in it and experience it. So let's begin with this question, which is where does our desire for belonging come from? And I'm just going to use belonging, but when I say that, think about all those kind of pieces to it. Where does the desire for belonging come from? And, and I want to start with this. Let's just be honest with this, okay? We want this, okay? You want everything I just described. You want to be known. You want to be approved. You want to belong. You want it. I do too. We want that. And the reason I want to start with just kind of that honest baseline is because we have actually been told so many times we shouldn't want that. Or that, that's, that you need to kind of push that out of your mind and that that's part of the problem or that's the pathology is that we want belonging from other people. We want acceptance from other people. We want approval from other people and that's the problem. And so oftentimes, whether it's in movies or literature or from maybe you've said this yourself to yourself or from well-meaning teachers or even parents, the line has been said something like, it doesn't matter what anybody else thinks about you. Matters what you think about you. It doesn't matter what anybody else thinks. It doesn't matter what anybody else says. You just need to know. You just need to know who you are. You just need to think these things yourself. And that is false. And the reason I want to start with that when we talk about where our desire for belonging comes from is because we have to start at just a baseline level of honesty to say, I want it. I want to be known. I want to be approved. I want people to like me. I want people to respect me, to recognize me. I want to belong. I want to have closeness, acceptance, and commitment, and I want that. Let's just start with an honesty that says we do desire that instead of what we've often been told, which it doesn't matter what others think or... um, I don't, you know, some of you, obviously the ages in this room are different, but there's a, and I'm not like a huge fan or big listener, I just know of the song. Uh, Demi Lovato is a famous kind of pop singer, and she had a song that came out last year that, I can't remember the exact title, but the chorus was, when is I love me going to be enough? And the whole song is about self-love. And I, why, why am I always looking for someone else to love me? Why am I always looking for some other ride or die that's going to come through for me? When is I love me going to be enough? And that's what the song is, which popularizes, again, it doesn't matter about other people. It matters, do you love yourself? Do you accept yourself? Or let's move out of pop kind of singers and go into even psychology. One of the most uh, best-selling authors currently, recently, is a woman uh, named Brene Brown. She's written a lot on shame and vulnerability. And uh, one of her recent books, I think it's her second to most uh, recent, she says this. This is in Braving the Wilderness, bestseller, The Quest for True Belonging. And she says, true belonging is the spiritual practice of believing in and belonging to yourself so deeply that you can share your most authentic self with the world and find sacredness in both being a part of something and standing alone in the wilderness. And her idea with braving the wilderness is true belonging is you belong to yourself. So I start with all that to say, where does our desire come from? Before I answer that question, I want us to understand 
that we want this, and yet there's a part of us that thinks we shouldn't want it. And we've been told over and over and over again, you need to belong to yourself, you need to just love yourself, you need to approve of yourself, you need to know yourself, accept yourself, and the reality is that doesn't work. I'm not saying, don't hear me when I say that, say, so hate yourself, that's what works. That's not the answer. But it doesn't work. And let me give you a few reasons it doesn't work or a few ways that we see that it doesn't work. First is this. You would literally be a sociopath if you didn't care what anyone else thought. That's the definition. If you do not care about anyone's emotions or opinions, or any, you would be a monster. That is the definition of being a sociopath, where you do not care about anyone else's feelings and emotions around you. That's first thing. I mean, imagine that playing out. Imagine living that and literally not caring at all what anyone else thinks or what anyone else feels. Second is this. We need constantly people to tell us it doesn't matter what anyone else thinks of you. It only matters what you think of you. We need constantly authors to write books telling you you don't need anyone else. You just need you. We need constantly songs to be sung that we identify with that tell us it doesn't matter what anyone else says. It just matters what you say. But it, don't we find it ironic? Wouldn't you find it ironic that we need constantly the voice of others to remind us that we don't need the voice of others? I need best, I mean, some of the best-selling books that are out there that rack up millions and millions of copies are saying, you don't need anyone else to tell you. Yeah, that's right. Keep telling me that. We need that over and over and over again. And even, back to Demi Lovato, and Demi, if you're listening, no, no hard feelings, but the song is, when will I love me be enough? Because even inside, she is feeling and expressing, it's not enough. I want to get to that place where it is enough, but she's even dealing with this conundrum of, when will it be enough? The answer, it will never be enough, because, okay, all that is just preface to say, where does this come from? The reason it will never be enough, the reason we can never reach that place, the reason that we feel this tension of I want that, but wait, everyone's telling me I'm not supposed to want that. The reason is because we were made for belonging. Not to yourself, whatever that even means. We were made for belonging. At the very beginning, oh gosh, I forgot that quote. Um, we're going to skip it because, dang it, Sorry, C.S. Lewis. We're going to skip it because I've already moved on beyond that point. But it was a great quote. I'll just let you know that. But I've moved on beyond that point. So it comes from this. In the very beginning, God said, let us make man in our image after our likeness. So I want you to think about this. God says that humans are made in his image, which means something about us is made to be like, to reflect, to show who God is. And it says, let us, that's plural, make man in our image after our likeness. If you're new to this, this might be kind of complicated. And if you're old to this, it's still complicated. But the Bible has, in Christianity, we believe in God as Trinity, which is that there is three persons, one God, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, divine community, pre-existing, always in perfect, loving community. And so to be made in the image of God, since God is triune, three in one, since God is community, if we are made in his image, we are automatically made as community people. We are made as people people. 
We are made to belong. It's in our very DNA. To be made in the image of God. You are made in the image of God. To be made in the image of God means you are hardwired to belong, to need, to want community. Which is why it also says this. Then the Lord God said, it's not good for the man to be alone. I will make a helper corresponding to him. And there's a bunch that we could talk about with this. But I just want you to see that before there was ever any sin in the world, God said, it's not good that man should be alone. It's not good. Because we were made as people people. We were made as community people. It's in our very DNA to need to belong to need to be known, to need to be a part of something, to need to have community. It's who you were made to be. And furthermore, this is from the same passage where he says in our image, our likeness, but just the fuller context of this. After he makes them in his image, then down here it says this, then God blessed them. Now that kind of just sounds like religious language of what does that mean? God blessed them. But what that means, this word blessed, is that God, as he creates them, then says, you are good. Sometimes the word blessed is translated as praised. That might help us a little more because we don't really know what it means to say, and then I, I bless you. But it means that God makes them and says, I love you. This is good what I have made. That declaration of approval and acceptance and affirmation and like and love and honor and recognition. Not because of something that they've done, but God is just giving them this praise upon them. And we are made to desire that and want that. God made us as people that are community people that crave and desire and want to experience this again. And it's not bad. It can go bad. We'll talk about that. But it's not inherently bad. It's how we were made. It's how we were designed, which is why anytime you try to get away from that, you're escaping from your very nature of who you are. And then even further, if you go to Proverbs, it says things like this, and these are just a couple samplings, but a good name, think about that, is that approval, recognition, respect, honor. A good name is to be chosen over great wealth. Favor is better than silver and gold. And then A person's pride will humble him, but a humble spirit will gain honor. Which, that is not bad. To desire a good name, to desire honor, those are not bad things. Those are good things. You should want to be honored. You should want, it's in, in fact, it's a commandment that children are given to honor your parents. And if some bratty little kid said, nope, it doesn't matter what my parents need to know, it doesn't matter what I think of them. They just need to honor themselves. Like, no, it was written in stone, honor your parents. We are made to desire a good name. We are made to desire honor. We are made to experience that blessing and that approval and that recognition. We are made to be people, people that need all of what we just talked about. That is where this desire for belonging, approval, being known comes from. And we won't be able to escape that. No matter how hard we try, no matter how many books are written or songs are sung. And listen, I don't know if any part of you is like, no, that's not true. I do just need to belong to myself and love myself. And okay, is that working? Did whenever you first kind of came around with that understanding, have you never needed to be reminded of that again? And you're just totally coasting without anyone's opinions and doesn't affect you at all. I don't think so. 
We are made, we are made in God's image as community people that need blessing and honor. And those are not bad things. But what we know is though, those, though those are good things and though we desire those things, it's difficult. It's a difficult desire to actually experience fulfilled. We might crave those things. We might want them very badly. And yet, it doesn't ultimately work. Which is why it feels safer to say, belong to yourself. Love yourself. Think about yourself. That feels a lot safer than if I want this and I can't ever get it or it doesn't ever quite work, it feels a lot safer to just say, I'm just going to love myself, belong to myself. Or there's another version of that, by the way, that is maybe, you know, ladies, I'm not trying to kind of separate here. I think sometimes the guy version of those things, because I don't hear a lot of guys say I need to love myself and belong to myself, but a lot of guys, it's more just, and pardon me, but it's just kind of like, screw them. Who cares? Who cares what those people think? That was kind of what the C.S. Lewis quote was that I missed, so you know, I can share it with you. But it, it's just like, he doesn't say screw him, but it's basically the English you know, Oxford version of that, which is just, who cares what anybody else thinks? I don't care. I don't care about their opinion. I'm going to be who I am, and if they don't like it, tough luck. There's that version too. And we constantly go back to that as self-protection, but, but we find the desire difficult to fulfill. We find that though we want to be approved, accepted, known, all of those things, it's hard. Why? Why is it hard? Let's go through each of these things that we talked about. Let's go through each of these and talk about why it's hard. We want to be known, to be understood, to be, to be seen. We want to be able to be vulnerable. There's a lot of talk about that, right? To be able to actually say, here's who I am. Here's the real me. We want to be able to do that, but it's hard. Why? Why is it so hard to be known? We'll start with that. And here's why. Because we're afraid of being seen and then rejected. It's one thing to say, you know what? I'm just going to lay out all my cards on the table. Here's me. Here's the real me. Let, I want you to see me and know me. And then someone to go, oh, that's who you are? Ooh, I like the fake you better. That's hard, right? And in the very beginning, back again to Genesis It says that the man and his wife were both naked and were not ashamed. And this is both a physical reality, but talking about being not ashamed is saying that there's something deeper, something emotional going on as well. That they were totally open. They had complete vulnerability, complete knowing of the other person. That's what nakedness is. And and, and not ashamed. Here's who I am. I have no shame. You totally know me and there's no rejection. That's beautiful, right? To say, this person totally knows me, totally sees me, I'm totally open, and there's no shame. Then, sin enters the world. And, the, and one of the very first things that happens is the opposite of that. Where God comes to them as they sin. And Adam says this, I heard the sound of you in the garden to God, and I was afraid because I was naked. Before, he was totally fine. No shame. I was afraid because I was naked, and I hid myself. So one of the very first effects of sin entering is now we know there's something wrong with us. We know that we are no longer kind of these perfect 
naked beings, totally open before God and one another. But now when sin enters, there actually is a problem. And so we are afraid and we hide. So see, we want to be known. We want people to actually see us and get us, understand us, listen to us. We want that, but we're afraid. What if they actually do see me? What if they see what's in my past? What if they see what's in my present right now? What if they see how I actually think and how I actually feel? And what if they see the things that I actually do? Then I might be rejected. Then, instead of someone knowing me and that drawing us closer, it might actually push them further away, which is why we do exactly what happened here. We hide. We cover ourselves. We want to be seen and known, but there's an internal struggle and battle. Where have you thought? Just think about your life. Where have you thought? If they, if they and they might be people in general or a particular person, if they knew, if they knew about my suffering, if they knew about my sin, if they knew about my past, if they knew what I really thought, if they knew how I felt, if they knew about my doubts, if they knew about my struggles, if they knew about my questions, if they knew about the way that I respond in certain situations, if they knew, they'd reject me. So we want to be known, but we're scared to be known also. Which ends up doing these two things. What ends up happening is that we can be really, really safe and not known. We can only show the good parts. We can only show the strengths. We can only show the calculated weakness. And we can be really, really safe and yet disconnected. Or we can also feel, and these aren't um, against each other, we can also feel like people know us because we've shown them some of us, but they don't know all of us, so we still kind of feel fake, or we still feel unknown, because we're only showing people part of us, and so we still feel unknown. And listen, this can happen in marriage, one of the, the, the closest relationship of what it's intended to be. We still can hold back things from the other person, we can still hold back our hearts and our emotions and all of that stuff. We can feel accepted by people. We can feel accepted and approved, but we can also feel they might approve of me and accept me, but they don't actually know me. So it actually kind of feels fake. I belong, but if they actually knew me at the beginning, I might not belong. So it leaves us in this place of desiring to be known and yet often feeling safe but disconnected, accepted but not real. So it's hard to actually fulfill. And if we go to the second one of approved, we want to be loved, liked, affirmed, appreciated, recognized, respected, honored, all of those kinds of words. We want all of that. But the reality is this. The reality is, though we want people to look at us and see what's there and go, you're awesome. Man, you are great. There is, I mean, if you just kind of take it to the extreme, we want someone to say, there's nothing wrong with you. I love you. You are great. I, res I respect you so much. Man, 
You did this good. You did that good. I see it. It's great. You are so awesome. We want that. But the truth is, that's not true about us. There's a lot about us that isn't affirmable, respectable, honorable. There's a lot of stuff in us. There's a lot of the way that we think or our motives or things that we do. We're, I mean, we say this, right? Nobody's perfect. We're, we're not perfect people. And quite far from it, we're sinful people. The way that Proverbs says it, who can say, I have kept my heart pure, I am cleansed from my sin? Who can say that? We want people to just look at us and affirm and like what's there and approve and recognize, but come on. In reality, what you, want, you want to be recognized for your work, right? Your job. Okay, but really? It's just totally perfect and you haven't done anything wrong and you want to be, I mean, come on. You want to be, you want to be affirmed and told you're a great father, or you're a great mom, but, but can you actually say that, yep, my heart has been totally kept pure and I haven't done anything wrong, never yelled at my kids, never made any bad mistakes, never had any bad motives, never been selfish with my spouse, ever. I guarantee you that. I mean, I just, who can say that? So even though we want that, the truth is there is stuff in us that is sinful, that's bad. And not just the bad stuff, but we also have just weaknesses. Meaning we're not awesome at everything. You're not the best at everything. I hate to break it to you, right? You're not the best at everything. You have weaknesses. There are things you're not good at. There are things that other people are better at than you. And that doesn't even mean that you're sinning or doing a bad... It just, we just have weaknesses. I can barely hammer a nail. I can barely do it. Some of you are terrified of public speaking. I can stand up here for hours. But give me a nail and a picture frame and it'll look like someone with a machine gun you know, went after the wall. A tiny little mouse machine gun. What are all those holes? The mice mafia came after me again and I covered it with this painting. That's what it will look like. I love Paul is talking just kind of about spiritual gifts and kind of the different things that we bring to the table. And he says this, I tell everyone among you not to think of himself more highly than he should think. And that's not talking about sin. That's just kind of saying some of you are really gifted in these areas and you're not in these areas. So don't think of yourself highly. Have a sober judgment of yourself. So though we want all of this to be affirmed and appreciated and recognized and respected, listen, there's things we don't know that we're weak at. There's things that we're not the best at. There's things that we fail at. There's things that later in life you look back at and go, I wish I would have done that differently. But in the moment, you probably thought, why don't people recognize me and respect me and like me and affirm me and see how much I'm doing well? We have sin in our hearts and we have weaknesses and things that just are not our strengths. And so though we want this, we'll continually find it difficult and disappointing to experience just totally living here. I'm not saying you never get it, but to just totally live in a state of approval is hard when there's sin in us and weakness in us. And it means that we will struggle to fully experience it because we might get a little bit of it, but then people learn about another part and then we don't live in it. We might be affirmed for some things and recognized for some things and then people find out about this thing and go, oh, that's bad. 
And we can feel like we are having to keep earning it, keep working to get these things. So it's a hard reality to live in just constantly as a state of approval. We can get it partially, but there's always more that we could get. And let me say this too. We want to get this approval and recognition and respect and like and love. We want it from someone that we want it from. Meaning if a crazy person on the street walks up to you and says, wow, you are such, you're so good at this. We don't, that doesn't really matter to us. We want it from those that we respect. We want it from those that we love. And we want it to be objective. Which means when your mom tells you how amazing you are and awesome you are, you like it. But you also want your peers and your boss and you want it to be objective. If I killed someone, my mom would say, you're really good at murder. I really appreciate that. She would, no matter what I do, she would affirm me and say, you're awesome, right? And I, I don't, that's great. It's good to have a mom that's for you. But you, you also want an objective voice of truth that says those things to us. So again, it's hard. It's hard to live in this state. And sometimes what ends up happening then is we feel bitter. We feel bitter because people aren't giving us what we feel like we deserve or need or want. We feel bitter that people don't recognize the good that we're doing or don't you see all that I'm doing for you? Sometimes we might say something like that because we want the recognition, affirmation. We can feel bitter. We can feel defensive when people point out our faults and our errors because we want to live in this state. And so we can get kind of prickly sometimes. We can at times feel tempted to compromise what we do or what we think because we want from people this. And so if we disagree with them or if there's something wrong that we, don't, that we know we shouldn't do to follow Jesus, we will compromise if we can gain the approval, the acceptance And then, finally, we want to belong. We want to be invited in and then to experience a quality of being brought in. It gives us the kind of final outcome that we are looking for, to be brought in and to belong. But again, it never quite fulfills the way we want it to. And there's multiple reasons for that. One of them is because our belonging with people fluctuates. Maybe in high school or college, you were on a sports team and you belonged. And you felt a closeness and an acceptance and a community and a loyalty. And that doesn't last forever. Then it's over. And now you're searching for belonging again. You're searching for acceptance and access and loyalty and commitment again. Or maybe you experience that in a marriage. You get in a marriage and it's great and finally I've got this closeness and there's commitment. And maybe you've gone through a divorce. Or maybe you're in a marriage but it wanes. And it doesn't feel as close and intimate as you hoped or thought that it could be or would be. It never quite fulfills and it fluctuates. And here's why. Because though we want this ultimate uh, approval and then acceptance and closeness and attention from people, the reality is that the people that we want that from are sinners and sinful people just like us. 
So they can never quite give us all the closeness and commitment and just, I want to be brought into this group of people and they give me everything. They can't do it, just like we can't do it. Paul says this in Colossians, Therefore, as God's chosen ones, holy and dearly loved, put on compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, patience. You could look at that as some of the qualities of belonging in community. But then it's not just all these positive things. He's realistic, and he says, bearing with one another and forgiving one another if anyone has a grievance against another, just as the Lord has forgiven you, so you are also to forgive. But what that means is this. You desire and I desire to be brought into this community where we experience a closeness, a compassion, a love, a kindness, humility. We want that. But baked into that is always going to be, you've got to put up with people. You've got to bear with one another. Some people are going to have a grievance against you, and you're going to have a grievance against them. So it's never just going to be this delightful bliss of intimacy and closeness and acceptance. It's never going to just be that. It's always going to have people that are sinning against you. Forgiving means people are sinning against you. Bearing with one another just means people are annoying you. There's bearing with, which just means they're different from me. They're not like me. They do things that are not the way I would do them. Forgiving is there's actual sin. Grievances is there's these complaints that we have. He says, you might want belonging, acceptance, and you should. And I want that for you too. And I want it to be this beautiful thing. But the reality is it will always have pain in it too. So we want to be known but we're afraid to be seen and then rejected, so we stay safe. We want to be approved, but we've got sin in us and we've got weakness in us, so we'll never just be able to fully live in a status of ongoing approval. And we want belonging and then this quality of community and closeness that comes with that, but the reality is other people are going to let us down. Other people are going to sin against us. You might do your best, and other people are flaky. You might give everything you've got and people don't even care. You might belong, but you could belong to a better group. And so then we're jealous of, oh, maybe if I belonged over there, they might, that, might be, that might be better. Or maybe if I belong to him or if I belong to her, that might be better. It leads to us experiencing a desire that can never quite be fulfilled. So, how can we experience the belonging that we desire? Because I said in the beginning, we were made for it. We need it. We're designed for it. How can we experience it? How can we experience being known and approved and belong? How can we experience that? And the answer, through this whole series has been to look at how we receive these things in faith, by faith, through Jesus. So let's walk through, again, each of these. To be known, to be seen for who we are totally and completely in a way that doesn't lead to rejection. Here's what the Bible says about this. Longer passage. Paul says, For consider your calling." which means consider the way in which God called you into his family. Not many of you were wise. So Paul's about ready to do like a diss track. So just listen. He says, not many of you were wise. You were kind of dumb. 
according to worldly standards. Not many were powerful. You're a little weak. Not many were of noble birth. Now he's talking about your mom, right? (laughs) But God shows what is foolish in the world. You're kind of a fool. God shows what is foolish in the world to shame the wise. God chose what is weak in the world to shame the strong. God chose what is low and despised. You might feel like that in the world. Even things that are not, basically even your nothing, to bring to nothing things that are, so that no human being might boast in the presence of God. And then let me show you one others uh, later in 1 Corinthians. He says, For now we see, talking about how we see God, for now we see only a reflection as in a mirror, but then, later, when we die and are with him, but then face to face. Now I know in part, I only know God in part, but then I will know fully as I am fully known. One day you will fully know God, you will see him face to face, and you will be able to know him the way that he knows you now, and right now you are fully known. So let's put those together. Here's what this means as we desire to be known. We want to be known, but we stay safe so we're not rejected, right? Paul says this, God knows all the worst about you. He knows your foolishness. He knows your weakness. He knows your birth and whether, you know, what your family background and maybe it wasn't so great. He knows all. All there is to know, he knows all the things about you that we feel like we have to hide. He knows the sins and the weaknesses. He knows our feelings of even being low and despised. He knows the rejection that you've experienced at various times in your life or from certain people. He knows every weakness, fault, sin, lack, and he chose you. He knows, and what he knows doesn't repel him. He says, I'm intentionally actually choosing those that are low and foolish and despised and have bad family backgrounds. And just to add the other part, just so we understand, you are fully known. God fully knows you. The longing that we have to be known He says, God fully knows you. You stand before him naked. In our inward parts, he sees all of you. He sees your thoughts, your emotions. He sees your weaknesses. He sees your past, your present. He sees the future. God, you are fully known. What you crave, you have. You are fully known by him. And I'll say this. He sees the good in you that other people miss. Sometimes that's the painful part. He sees the good in you that other people miss. And he sees the bad. But for both, he says, I choose you. I fully know you. Second, we long for the experience of being approved affirmed, recognized, respected, honored, loved. So many different words that we could put in there. There might be others that come to to your mind. And it's hard because of the sin and the weakness that is there, right? It's hard to ever live in full approval if we know 
I've got sin and weakness in me. And yet, what we are told is that because of Jesus, we have all of this. Not because of ourselves, but because of him. Here's how Paul says it in his letter to the Romans. For just as through one man's disobedience, that's Adam, the many were made sinners. Through Adam and Eve's choices, sin spread to everyone, which now we are sinful through them. But just as that is true, so also, talking about Jesus, through one man's obedience, Jesus, the many will be made righteous. And that word righteous is really everything we're looking for in approval. It's that you are, you have right standing before God. But not just because of you. It's not because you are so awesome and so amazing and so great the only way that we can think we're acceptable to God based on how awesome and great and amazing we are is if we're self-deceived. But you were made righteous through Jesus because of Jesus' perfect life, because of Jesus' perfect record, because Jesus lived a life that was completely worthy of like and love and recognition and respect and honor Because of Jesus, through his life of perfect obedience, you can be made righteous through him. Another way Paul says it in 1 Corinthians is, and I love this, think about how different this is than the way that we kind of handle this problem. The first part sounds like how we deal with it. It's of little importance to me that I should be judged by you or any human court. Right? That's what we say. Yeah, yeah, that's right, Paul. I don't care what you think. I care what I think. And then he says, in fact, I don't even judge myself. So wait a minute. I don't care what you think, and I don't care what I think. For I am not conscious of anything against myself, but I'm not justified by this. I'm not made righteous by this. It's the Lord who judges me. So what he's saying is, it doesn't matter what you think about me, And it doesn't matter what I think about me, which is sometimes the worst. It's God who justifies me. It's God who makes me righteous. And through Jesus, I am. Because of, that's what faith is, by the way. Faith is transferring your acceptability and approval from who you are and what you've done to who Jesus is and what he's done. It's to say, I'm approved because of him not because of me. And then I'll just give you one more verse here because I love the way he expresses it this way. And there's, I could show you millions of verses that say this. I'm just giving you a sampling. John 17, 26. Jesus says this about his disciples. I made your name, God's name. I made your name, that's his character, who he is, all that he represents. I made your name known to them and I will continue to make it known so that the love that you have loved me with may be in them and I may be in them. Now, here's what, God loved Jesus perfectly. Jesus lived a perfect life. He lived a life of complete honor and respectability and all, all that stuff we already said. He lived it perfect. And God the Father loved Jesus perfectly. There's nothing in Jesus that God the Father said, I, uh, I don't really like that part. God the Father loved God the Son, Jesus, perfectly. 
And then what Jesus says is that the love that you have loved me with may be in them. Meaning that God loves us the way that he loved Jesus. Because of Jesus. So you can experience the total approval. Oh, you can experience, I keep messing up my slides today. You can experience the total approval and acceptance and recognition that Jesus deserved. When you are connected to Jesus by faith, you experience all that is his, and you have it. So that, listen, you can, I, there's some times this week that I looked at my life, and it was like, ah, not doing a good job at this. And then can start to feel a lack of approval, respect, recognition, and to transfer that feeling away from my performance to then, but yeah, God, you look at me the way you look at Jesus. Well, Jesus, his record's great. And I get to benefit from that. God says he approves you, loves you, affirms you, accepts you, delights in you, all of that because of Jesus. The love that he loved him with, he loves you with. Which is a perfect objective, forever approval. It never fluctuates. It doesn't matter what you do here or what you do here. It never changes. Which I know you've never seen this picture before, but it reminds me of this documentary that came out last year. It's called Jump Shot. It's about Kenny Sailors. If you haven't seen it, definitely see it. You've probably never heard of him, but he's the man that invented the jump shot. If you ever see basketball footage before there was a jump shot, it's stupid. They're just like, and they can't even like do anything. Kenny Sailors invented the jump shot. It changed basketball, and it changed women's basketball also. It changed, also, it changed, changed the sport entirely. It's a great documentary by Steph Curry. Um, and he's a Christian man. And he has, I mean, really, he, like I said, changed basketball. And for some reason had kind of been forgotten and was, is not still in the Hall of Fame, which is unthinkable. And so there's been all of these kind of um, efforts at various points, and even this documentary was kind of a part of that, to try to get him into the Hall of Fame and keeps being denied for, I don't know why, weird reasons. But Kenny Sailors, he died uh, a few years ago, I think when he was 95, so lived his whole life and still never got into the Hall of Fame. He says this towards the end of the documentary. I'm already a member of the greatest hall of fame there ever was. Talking about Jesus. Talking about God. I love that because that is exactly what we're talking about when we talk about wanting God's or wanting approval. And yet we might not fully ever get it somewhere else. We might get a doc, you probably won't, but you might get a documentary made about your life and yet still not get the ultimate approval that you would want. Being in the Hall of Fame, whatever that is for you. And Kenny Saylor says, I'm already a member of the, I've already got the greatest recognition and approval and acceptance that I could ever long for. I'm totally satisfied in that. Sure, it'd be nice, but I've already got this. That's the power of living in his approval. You, if you're a Christian, you belong to Jesus and because Jesus is in the Hall of Fame, he says, 
You are in the Hall of Fame with me. My record is yours. You invented the jump shot with me. That's what faith is. We're connected to him. And then the final one is this belonging that we desire, to be brought in, to be on the inside, to not be on the outside, but to be in, and to have the quality of all that that is. This is given to us in faith in the most profound and robust way. Let me give you a couple verses on this. Therefore, welcome one another, just as Christ has also welcomed you to the glory of God. God has welcomed you. He's brought you in. That's what that means. He's brought you into his family. He's accepted you. He's given you the invitation. In Romans 14, for none of us lives for himself and no one dies for himself. If we live, we live for the Lord. And if we die, we die for the Lord. Therefore, whether we live or die, we belong to the Lord. That's our word there. You belong to God. You belong to him. You have the ultimate belonging that the king of the universe, the one that made all things, the one that rules all things, the best person, there not a crazy person that walks up to you on the street, but the best person there ever was, says, you belong to me, that I want you in. And listen, there's so many, I'm not, I, I wanted to give you so many more verses, but I can't. But there is at least, this is not total, at least these are some, a sampling of the different language that the Bible uses on communicating that belonging. That we are sheep and he's a shepherd. That we are children and he's our father. That even it uses language that Jesus is our brother that uses language that we are friends of God. All Again, all of these are different languages about how we belong. It's not just a simple, a lot of times we might think of uh, the, the second one, children. We are children of God. God is our Father. That's true. It's a prominent theme. But he gives to us so many different illustrations and metaphors and language around you belong. You are my people. Sometimes even intimate language, like the church is the bride of Christ, or that he gives you, we, we saw this in John, he gives you his name. Think about that. That's a belonging, right? We do that in marriage. We do that with kids. That you are named. You share in his name. That you are reconciled. You're, you're totally brought in and feel that closeness and connection where all enmity has been separated. You are the household. You're in his household. You belong. You're a temple. You belong. You're a nation, you're a city, you're a kingdom, even an army. I love the different ways that he communicates belonging because some of them are kind of more touchy-feely, affectionate, and like, oh man, I feel this closeness. And others of them are a little bit more like, you've got to, you belong on a team. That might kind of resonate with some of you more. Sometimes we need to, to hear that I belong and God loves me and cares for me and there's this closeness. Sometimes we need to feel like, you belong, you're a part of something. I've asked you to be on my team. I've asked you to be a part of what I'm doing in the world. So many others that were one with him, that he lives in us, that were in him. All of this language. And I, this was the thing that probably throughout my study for this sermon this week that stood out to me the most is how many varied images he gives because he wants to communicate you belong 
overemphasizing it and hitting it from every angle possible so that we know in all the ways that you desire, in all the ways you could ever think of, you belong. Whether it's more kind of mission-oriented and team-oriented or more affection-oriented, he says, you belong to me. And it's not just kind of this spiritual reality. He also says, I invite you into my family and you can belong here. We all want belonging. We all want to be known, to be approved, to be brought in. And though we struggle in many different ways to experience that, though we struggle in many different ways to have that, the experience is available. Just what if you could live in that? What if you could live in, I'm known, I'm approved, I belong. What if you could live in that? What if that could be stable? That is what Jesus offers to us. We're going to take communion in just a moment. When we take communion, what we are remembering is that his body was broken. Jesus' body on the cross was broken and his blood was shed. Why? To bring us into this reality. He says, I know you and I died for you. You've sinned against me and rejected me and I die for you and now love you and approve of you and accept you. We're on the outside and he brings us on the inside through the cross. And one of the reasons I, I um, there's different words that people use for communion. There's the Lord's Supper, the Eucharist, all these different words. I, I love the language of communion because that's really what we're talking about that we have this communion, this common union, unity with him, that that is what he is offering to us. That's what he gives to us through his death, an objective reality of relationship, belonging, approval is available. But here's what this means as, as you pray and talk to God during this time. If there's ways in which you have sought this belonging that have led you astray, why don't you take some time and confess those to him? If there's ways in which this desire has ruled your heart so much that you want the good name from other people and have not looked to him to receive, take a moment, confess that to him. And just use this time also to remind your heart, I have this in you. And this week, when you're challenged to want to be known, to want to be approved, to want to be belonging, and you struggle, remind yourself of some of the truths that we just looked at. That's part of what I'm trying to do even in this series is to give you weapons, to give you tools during your week when you desire and struggle and want control and want all these different things that we've talked about, want approval. You've got weapons to be able to use and remind your heart what you have in him. Father, I thank you for your goodness. I thank you that you are so good to us that you approve of us that you know us and that you've invited us in to belong to you because of Jesus help us as we take communion to remember these truths to have them go deeper and deeper into our hearts and lives and throughout the rest of our week to have these things be impressed further as we encounter difficulty and frustration and temptation you are a God that knows us completely loves us fully and gives us this intimate access and belonging with you.
Thank you, Jesus.